believe God has great things for this church. I believe he's got great things for every believer that is seeking Jesus and has put God first. That they're not putting what their agenda is first. They're putting what God's agenda is for the time we're living in. And today, uh, I felt to share on always believe for more. Everybody say, always believe. believe. You know, God is a God of more. It's his name. He reveals himself by his name, his name El Shaddai. And so uh, as I was thinking about always believing for more, it's scriptural because he says he's taken us from glory to glory. Well, glory to glory means increase. Everybody say increase. It means we're not going to stay the same. You know, uh, look at your life. Is it the same as it was a year ago? Something isn't right. Uh, every year, every day, we grow in our knowledge and our understanding in the things of God in our, um, in our life physically, emotionally, spiritually. We should be growing daily and being in a position where we are increasing because that's who God is. He's a God of increase. You know, God doesn't, um, the people get upset about generations, but God sees all people the same. We're supposed to fulfill a divine destiny which takes all of him and our cooperation, not all of what we have, but all of who he is, but our cooperation to let that all flow together. And so as I was thinking about this message, it says in Genesis 17, one through three, when God spoke to Abraham and, you know, Abraham is the father of all of our faith. He's the father, father Abraham. And uh, if you'll put that scripture up for me, Sandy, it's in Genesis 17. When Abram was 99 years old and the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty. Everybody say almighty. Almighty Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. Then he said, and I will make my covenant between you and me and will multiply you exceedingly. Everybody say multiply. That's another word. That's another covenant word. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him. And I'm not going to read the rest of that, but what I want you to see is when he identified himself to Abraham, he said, I am almighty God. Almighty means I am all everybody say all. I was reading uh, in my daily devotional that I'm in this year by Joyce Meyer, and I think it was God that gave me this book, but it's trusting in God. And um, she was talking about all, you know, that word, there's nothing left after all. Uh, He's all knowing. He's all sufficient. Uh, He's always in control, even when we don't think he's in control. You know, today God is in control. Now, man has been given uh, the ability to rule in the earth. Christians have been given the ability to rule spiritually. You know, people have been given authority positions all over the earth, but we have been given rulership spiritually, which means we are ruling at a higher level. Turn to your neighbor and say, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. You know, you may not be operating at that level, but you could rule at that level, at a higher level. And so that's what uh, God was saying to Abraham. I am almighty God, and I'm going to make a covenant with you. In other words, I'm going to give you everything that I have, and I'm going to take everything that you are whether that's lack or good. And between that consuming of that covenant, we will become one and we will become all knowing, all powerful, all seeing. And that's what God has made the body of Christ. But the body of Christ doesn't look like that. The body of Christ isn't living like that because we don't have a revelation like that. But that's what he said to Abraham. And he was 99. Turn to your neighbor and say, now that's old. <laughs> you know, I said to my husband, or somebody was asking me, our daughter turned 50 uh, just the other day. And uh, she said, I can't believe I'm 50. And, and I was saying to her, well, I can't believe I'm going to be 70. And then I thought, well, that's not old. I go, I'm going to 120. 
So I got 50 more that I've got to be ready for. Hallelujah. You you have to think beyond where you are. You cannot think about where you are. And uh, I said to her, I thought 70 was old when my mother was 70. (laughs) But now that I'm going to be 70, that's not old at all. Hallelujah. So, you know, Abram couldn't look at himself. He couldn't look at his own ability, but he could look at almighty The one who was in total control and uh, all power. Everybody say all power, all All authority, all All knowing, all Uh, all hearing, all seeing, all, 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 all. You know, when when he has that kind of ability, that means that there's nothing that's out of his control, nothing out of his realm of being able to accomplish it. And I believe that's true for us as believers. It says in Psalm 115, 14, and I believe this for everybody in this church this year, (laughs) may the Lord give you increase. More and more. Everybody say more and more. And you and your children. Now, if you go back to verse 13, this is what it says. And and this is really, um, you know, David wrote the Psalms, most of them. And and he was a very emotional person. You know how I know that? Because he can start a Psalm praising God. Then he goes clear into the pit. And it's bad. And I'm dying. And I don't want to, you know, why are they doing this to me and my enemies? And then he just comes back out of the pit and he says, God, you are great. You are awesome. That makes me feel good on some of my days. Amen. (laughs) Because it says he will bless those who fear the Lord, both great and small. And it goes, it says in there somewhere, uh, God, why do you even think about us? Well, because he created us and he created us to be something, to, to be an expression in the earth of who he is, only a living expression. So Philippians 1, 9, that's another scripture I want to give you. And I believe it's for us this year. Uh, it begins in Philippians 9 by saying um, that he will, he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And then it goes on in that scripture. It's uh, Philippians 1 and it's 9. And he says, this is Paul. And I pray that your love may abound still more and more. Everybody say more and more. In the knowledge in knowledge and all discernment that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ being filled with the fruits. Everybody say fruits, fruits of righteousness, which are in Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. God always wants us to be believing for more, uh, no matter what happens in our life. And, um, he began to speak to me because, um, needless, this last year has been probably in my ministry days, the most painful year in my life. But through it, God said to me, when you get through this, you'll be ready for what's coming. Nothing can stand between you and Jesus. My husband said it last week, I love my wife, but Jesus is the one I look to. Everybody say, Jesus is the one I look to. And uh, sometimes when you go through affliction, everybody say affliction. (laughs) Now, I know it says in 2 Corinthians that for this momentary light affliction. How many of you know it never seems like it's light and it doesn't sound like it's lasting for a moment? (laughs) Well, if God's clock is going a lot slower than mine, for sure, because it's not a momentary light affliction in the natural, in the temporary. But it says we're not focused on the temporary. We're focused on the eternal. And so when we're looking at things and when God looks at things, he doesn't look at it like we look at it. You know, um, 
when you have children in your house and they're little, you know, you're thinking, oh, dear God, will this ever end? You know, um, I loved what you said about Jake, uh, Courtney, because she said he, he lives life 100 percent, you know, something like that. Like everything he does, he does 100 percent. How many of you know that's a nice way of saying he is really <laughs> keeps me busy? That's that's what that means. Translated. And, uh, you know, he can be very challenging, probably because he lives everything to a hundred percent. But I think God loves it when we live like that. You know, my husband said, give me a horse that's moving, you know, that I have to get the reins and direct them. Don't give me a horse that just stands there and looks at me and doesn't do anything. So that's why God gave him me because I keep moving. (laughs) See, you are blessed, honey. If any of you were here Wednesday night, he put me in such a state that I was laying across the pulpit laughing hysterically and couldn't even remember where we were, what we were preaching about by that point because he had gotten so far off of the outline that he had up here that I didn't even know. Finally, we just prayed. And we were still 15 minutes late. I don't know how we did that. We have never, he never goes over. I couldn't believe we went over. I mean, I was still laughing. I thought it must be holy laughter or something. It's hit me because I can't stop laughing. I was still laughing when I left the building. But, you know, God has a sense of humor. He sees things, things we see that are so serious. You know, he, he sees beyond what we see at that moment. Everybody say momentary. It's a moment that happens and it, you know, it can be like, you know, for me this last year, for maybe for you, it's been four years. You know, I don't know what you're living through, but it is in the light of eternity and what God is doing. Everybody say what God is doing. See, God sees the whole picture and he sees way beyond what we can see right now. You know, uh, I know Janet and Mike, you gave three years of your life, more than that, five, six, seven, with your grandchildren. And it may look like, oh, you know, that was for nothing. No, that was the most critical years of their life. So it doesn't matter what else now. I mean, I'm believing with you for God to continue to do a work. But the foundation, everybody say the foundation. When the foundation is laid, what's built upon that, that foundation will never waver. It's in there. It's concrete. It's holding up the building. And uh, I just believe that's the Lord. But anyway, so then I was looking at affliction because sometimes people think, how am I going to have more when I'm afflicted? You know, years ago when we went to Europe with 10 women, I had to share with the gypsies. And the gypsies weren't even allowed to work. And, and so they stole all the time, and they were always uh, being arrested for stealing, but they couldn't work, so they didn't have food, so they would steal. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to, to preach to them? And he said, I want you to tell them that they can prosper in captivity. I thought, well, that I'm going to be booed and probably thrown off. You know, Terry Henshaw probably put me off the bus and, uh, you know, for preaching a message like that. But God said to me, no, my word works everywhere. My word works everywhere. And so as I was looking at Exodus, this is what it said. You know, the children of Israel um, were rescued by Joseph. That's why he was sent and all the things that happened to him were really so the children of Israel could end up where they were in Egypt uh, for that season and they could be taken care of. But then the kings were switched. You know, uh, my husband said last week, it doesn't matter who's president. It does not matter 
who's president as far as our victory, but it can change our circumstances. And so the new Pharaoh uh, wasn't into all the Israelites. They had grown into such a mighty nation of people that he was fearful that they were going to overtake him. And so it says that he appointed taskmasters because they had multiplied so greatly that he was sure that if they decided to, they could overtake them, their kingdom uh, in Egypt. And so he said, we're going to, we're really going to make it hard on them. But this is what it says happened. It says in Exodus 1, 12, but the more they afflicted them, everybody say afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew and were in dread of the children of Israel. In other words, the things that they were doing to them caused them to rise and grow and and become more abundant everybody say multiplication due to the persecution and and you know only god can explain that i mean they were having to go find they took all the the, the materials that they could make the bricks away from them and they had to go find those the straw and things that they had to do but they did it everybody say they did it you know why they did that and how they got that done because god almighty was on their side. And God made that possible. I mean, God got them out of the nation. But I want you to look at something. I was looking at um, Moses' mother. Now, you don't hear about Moses' mother very often. But, um, you know, she was a woman who was afflicted. Uh, You know, in that day, because Pharaoh got so angry, this Pharaoh, um, and he couldn't stop the growth and the what he saw as a threat to him, uh, he decided to take the life of the children that were being born. And so uh, he talked to the midwives that were delivering those children and said, you know, uh, when, when the Hebrew women have their children, just let them die. Well, the midwives, it says in, in that same chapter, this is what it says, that the midwives, uh, see, it says, when you do the duties of a midwife for Hebrew women and see them with, on the birth stools, if it's a son, then you kill him. If it's a daughter, she can live. But the midwives feared God. Everybody say feared God. Now, there's a, the, the Pharaoh feared them, but the midwives feared God. There is a difference. Everybody say there is a difference. The body of Christ needs to begin to fear God more than they fear what's going on. And did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but save the male children alive. So the king called the midwives and said, why have you done this? And they said, this was their answer, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. (laughs) Hallelujah. We are a lively bunch, ladies. And if we have to, we can pray through things when the devil doesn't even know what happened. If you put it in the spiritual realm, which is where we have great authority. And then it says, therefore, God dwelt with the midwives and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. They continued to grow. And so it was because the midwives feared God that he provided households for them. Well, then it it goes on. So he finally said, every son who is born, you shall cast into the river. Everybody say cast into the river. And every daughter shall live. Well, here is this woman, and she has a boy. And I don't know if I'm saying her name right, but Jochebed, Jochebed, however, however it was in the Hebrew. But she had a boy. She did what the Pharaoh said. She put him in the river. But she put him in the river in a basket. In my Bible, it said she became a preserver of a nation. Do you see this? 
See, now at the time, I'm sure that that was not an easy thing to do. You know, if you're a woman in here and you've had children, somebody said, go put the baby in the river. You don't want to do that. At 13, you might put him in the river, but not as a newborn. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, I mean, there are ages there where you might say, go, go play in the river, you know. Um, but you don't do that when they're newborn. I mean, this is your baby. And, and she put that baby, and it says, you know, Pharaoh said, throw him in the river. She put the baby in the river, but she put the baby in a river in a basket. And God said to me, that's a woman who feared God more than she feared the Pharaoh. And that baby was rescued. You know, I don't know if Jen is uh, not in here right now, but uh, when I looked at the worship for today, uh, still standing, came to my rescue, and you have won. That's what she picked. That is God's story for today. It is. And the first one, I asked her to do again, more than enough. Everybody say more than enough. But she had picked for the offering the song Overflow. I'm telling you what God's plans are, even in affliction, are mighty compared to what we see. Because Moses, you know, Moses was Moses and got to do what Moses did because his mother, everybody say his mother, feared God. And in her affliction, She made a way for her son, but then God made a way for her to be his mother, to nurse him till he was of age and take care of him because God had a plan for Moses. Now, I don't think she knew that she probably did not get this Bible to read the story ahead of time because there was nothing written, but she was a woman who decided in her affliction to do what she felt she should do for her child. Everybody say more and more. Now, out of that, Moses ended up uh, on the backside of a wilderness in, in his life until he learned how to do more and more. Everybody say more and more. And when he learned to do more and more, God brought him out of that place. It's amazing to me how Moses and David both were shepherds. Everybody say shepherds. They didn't go to Bible school. They didn't learn, uh, you know, things like what we're trained to do today. But God worked on their character, and he showed them he was more than enough. Whenever anybody asked, he was the God Almighty. He was El Shaddai. It was not about them. It was about him. From the day she had that baby, that baby belonged to God. Do you know every one of you belonged to God? And from the day you came into this earth... You had a plan and a purpose. That's why God hates abortion. He hates abortion because every child that's conceived, whether wedlock, not wedlock, rape, I do not believe any child, any child that's created by a living God cannot live a life like Moses, like Abraham, like Joseph, because God is a God who is more than enough for whatever that situation. Even if that child has to be raised by different parents, There's no child that should lose their life because somebody else couldn't deal with it. And everybody should be shouting amen. Amen. That's, That's a lie. That's the devil. The devil has always tried to kill. He tried to kill Jesus. He tries to kill what has a purpose. And you have a purpose. And so the devil will try to kill you. You know, as I was thinking about more and more, um, I don't know why. My son Matthew's out in, in uh, California. And um, he, he had called, or I had called him, and he was at the airport. This is this, is this son. Now, th- I'll just share a little humor of his. 
I said, have a great trip in California. And he's going out there to see his son. And uh, he sends me back a picture of a nun in the airport. And he says, I know it's obvious, but the flying nun. (laughs) That's all I got. I don't love you. Nothing. I love you, mom. Anything. Just number one, it's obvious, the flying nun. But so, you know, I never know what he's going to do. You really have to watch out when you're with him because you do not know what he's going to do. And um, so he, he was telling me he's going out there. And uh, Ryan Tedder, how many of you know the song Apologize? Or some of you that know music. That's it, sister. It's too late. And so, you know, when Ryan wrote that, Ryan was in Tennessee. He was a young man. He was raised in a Christian home. I know him because my daughter-in-law is his stepsister. And he, they were raised together. I mean, I know Ryan. And uh, all he was was a thorn in their side the whole time because he was much younger than the girls. And so Matt was dating Michelle at that time. And so, you know, we would see him as a cute little guy. And uh, he ended up going through RU. And uh, he got his business degree. But he decided God had more. Everybody say more. And uh, now he never did anything musically that I know of other than he did take piano lessons. Uh, His mother had him take piano lessons. His dad was an ORU world action singer in the day back in ORU. But Ryan never did anything musically necessarily. And so he, his dream, what God put in his heart was he he wanted to be in music. He wanted to write music. He wanted to be a musician. He wanted to sing. And so he went to Nashville. Now, he said, I'm getting my business degree so that if this isn't God, I will have something. That's a pretty wise young man. And so he went to Nashville. I don't know the whole story, but I know he slept with no, he had barely any food. He had no furniture. How many of you know in affliction, God is still working, but God is watching in affliction. You know, America is going to be afflicted. We, we already are afflicted, you know, but, you know, how bad is the affliction? Well, that only depends on you and God, how bad it is for you. Nobody else can judge the affliction you're in. But he, he had a very, very difficult time. One day, he wrote a song, Apologize, and MTV got a hold of it. And the rest is history. He travels all over the world now and and has many albums. He's very wealthy. He uses his money for the kingdom of God. He is a good boy. And he's out in California for a month with my son. And my son calls me and says, well, Ryan said that come on out and I'm going to be out there and we'll just hop on my jet and go up to San Francisco for a day and eat in all these nice places and visit to seasides. And then we'll fly back to Los Angeles, to L.A. Now, that's more than enough to my son. It is like he has, I mean, you know, you thought the chariot arrived. I mean, he's so excited. Uh, He was very discouraged when that jet took his son all the way to Italy this year for the family vacation. And Ryan got him a place up in the hills because he can't be out in public because of who he is now. But... My son, my grandson, got to ride on his personal jet, and my son, he goes, Mother, I'm going to be by the toilet in the back row, all curled up, and my son gets to ride on a private jet. I said, Welcome to parenthood. Hallelujah. How many of you know your children have it better? (laughs) But that's more than enough. Everybody say that's more than enough. That's what our children should have. The scripture I gave you in the beginning said, You and your children. You know, I'm sure, I don't know whatever happened to Moses' mother, but I do know that in that moment 
of light affliction, which to me would not have been light affliction. But in that moment, she did something that counted for eternity, for eternity. And I'm certainly not saying Ryan Tedder's like that. I just give you that that example because he's just a young man still. You know, he has two small children and he's living the dream. However, I believe God has great things for his life. Who knows what's ahead? You know, God wants to promote his people, not for them, but for his plan. Moses was promoted for God's plan. And he had to walk through things to get to that place where he could fulfill God's plan. He was in the wilderness for some 40 years till he got it. Everybody say, till he got it. And I don't know how long it is, you know, till we get it. But I do know this. I think we get it, and then we go, and then we get it, and then we go, and then we get it, and then we go. There are levels that we go through. But this I want to tell you. In America right now, I believe that we are in a place of affliction. We're in a place of affliction because of people's choices that are not here today in this room that we can discuss with them. But we, it's, it is the enemy who's at the root of those choices. The same as that Pharaoh, at the root of his decision to kill all the males was the devil. Because the Bible says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Wherever we are in this church, wherever you are in your life, wherever your children are in their lives, the devil is working to steal, kill, and destroy. And it's our responsibility to begin to think like God thinks. That there's nothing impossible because Almighty God is on our side. And so we can say, I always believe for more. Everybody say that. I always believe for more. Now, this is in some churches, this would be heresy because we're not supposed to believe for more because they always think about money. There's nothing wrong with having more money. Do you know, we, we needed money for 50 men to go to camp and God gave the money for 50 men to go to camp. I mean, he'll give the rest of the money. I have no doubt. He'll do that. God sees and God provides. But we have to be willing to be that person who in that, like, and not that it was a big affliction for my husband, but he did have to deal with me when he said, I'm going to have a men's retreat and I don't think anybody should pay. Well, since I'm the, 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 the money person, the, the bookkeeper, the watcher over the, the finances, he came to me and says, what do you think? Will you pray about this? Well, my first reaction is, well, that'll take all the money that's in the checking account if I had to do that today. However, everybody say, however. Now, that's not a big affliction, but it is when you are going to not be able to pay that bill. Everybody say affliction. See, God starts in the small things. And when you say, okay, God, I'll do it. Then he comes through and gives you what you need to do it. That's what he did with that woman. When she put that baby in the water, there was no guarantee it was going to, that little boy was going to float up to Pharaoh's daughter. She didn't know that, but that's what God had in mind. But she had to put the baby in the water. And so I believe God's going to ask us that. I want to give you three scriptures in Romans 5, 20, and 21. This has been a scripture that's always ministered to me. It says, where sin abounds. Everybody say, where sin abounds. Grace much more. This is what it says. Moreover, could you put that back up? I'm sorry, Sandy. I didn't. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace much more. Abounded much more. Everybody say, there's always more grace then there is sin. Now that's good news because that means no matter how badly you fail, there is always 
a way of escape. There's always more grace to cover whatever that is. The other scripture is, um, could you just go ahead, verse 21, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Then the next scripture is 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And it says, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. None of us can do what God's asking us to do in our own ability. So it's not saying that, uh, you know, like we're weak and we can't do it. It's just who we are. We're human. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What right, right there where Paul's talking and many people, you know, uh, say, well, it was his, his eyes. He had trouble with his eyes or whatever it was. But the, the point of it is he said, Satan has given me a thorn in the flesh. Would everybody say Satan did it? So many people uh, preach like God did that. God didn't do that. The devil did that. But what God did say to him was in your affliction, everybody say affliction, my grace is greater than that affliction. Uh, so many people today, I believe, are caught up in so many things because they don't know about a great God. They don't know about grace. They don't know about God's ability to make things be the way they need to be. So they just live in their affliction. And their affliction gives them the mental uh, thought, I can never get better. How many of you have talked with people who've been caught up in things and say, you know, I, can't, I will never get out of this? Everybody say, that's a lie. You know, it's a lie that people will never get out of those places. God's grace is always greater than anything that the enemy is doing. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, uh, when we came and started this church, and we didn't really have that much money. In fact, we didn't have any money. We owed money, actually. But, um, you know, God let us live with my parents for a while during that time and uh, until we had some money. But this is what God said. Everybody say what God said. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency. Who is the all sufficient one? God. Well, what does he make you? All sufficient. Because you belong to him. The all-sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Now, I believe God has a good work for this church. And um, a year ago, when I heard that message, uh, I had no idea what that would be. Uh, you talk about putting a baby in the water and not knowing where it's going to end up. Uh, but through it, um, I would have to say I lost my joy sometimes. I lost my strength. Uh, my husband, my husband knows because he lives with me. Uh, you, you still have to fight every day. Everybody say fight every day. You have to fight every day with the devil saying. Now, when I'm up here preaching, this is called the anointing. See, this is the anointing. <laughs> this is me riding in the car with my husband sometimes. And, of course, Pastor Bill thinks he has to entertain me, which is not a good thing. And his Elvis songs. By the way, Pastor Bill is going to sing. Everybody say, yay. Yeah. He is going to sing Hard-Headed Woman by Elvis. It's scripture song, he's decided. Uh, you know, 
very scriptural. He sings it to me. It's what caused the whole problem, Eve in the garden. She was the old culprit, and here we are. But I'm just saying, I'm being very honest with you. There can be very, 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 very difficult times, and you have no answer, and the devil will strike at the very heart of where he knows he can take you out. Now, I have had him strike at us a lot of times, but nothing like this year. And I want to tell you, it is a fight. Everybody say a fight. It's a fight of faith, but the bottom line is, you're my God forever. My God, my El Shaddai. I will not. Because when you are like that Jochebed, you have to make a decision right then to do what you think God's saying to do. And then from then, it goes into God. It's in the river. And from there, God takes it, and he does what he's going to do. All my children will fulfill the will of God. All my grandchildren will fulfill the will of God. I don't change what I see by what I see. I change by what the word says. However, it is a momentary light affliction. Hallelujah. Thank God for church. Thank God for the people of this church. Thank God for the spirit of God that's on the inside of us that can pull us up when we need to be pulled up. And as my husband says, well, if you haven't got anybody else to encourage you, encourage yourself in the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. That's Pastor Bill. But everybody say, there's a multitude. You know, the one word I always see when you see Jesus' name, and the multitudes, and the multitudes were there. You know, he taught them. He healed them. He, he delivered them. He did all those things. Everybody say multitudes. I believe there are multitudes coming. And our momentary light affliction, if it doesn't produce in us what God wants it to produce, if we can't put the baby in the river, if we can't do what God said to do, We're not going to be ready for the multitudes. And he told me, what you have experienced will help you operate at the level of anointing you'll have to operate in to see what I'm about to do. It it will take you there. It will take you there. Do I like it? No. Do I want it to not be this way? Yes. But am I going to live? Yes. And am I going to declare? Yes. And am I going to dance? Yes. And am I going to shout? Yes. I watched my mentor, Sharon Doherty. You need to be here when she comes. I watched that woman all my life from a younger, when she was young. When we were with Pastor Bill and and, and Pastor Billy Joe and Sharon, he built everything he did debt free. And he did all of that before he was 40. I was 44 when I left there, and he had already built that millions of dollar building debt free. And he was probably six years younger than me. He was 38 about that time. Uh, We were with him from 30 to 38. Everybody say, you're never too young. You're never too old. Abraham did it. I've watched young people do it. Anybody can do it if they're willing to go through that momentary light affliction and believe. I believe we're onward and upward, what my husband said last week. And this is the scripture I want you to just meditate on this year. It's in Philippians, Philippians 3, 12 through 14, because it's what will get us there, uh, is not thinking about ourselves. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. God laid hold of Moses' mother. 
She was also the Moses', Moses mother, Aaron's mother, and Miriam's mother. Think of that. She had three major players that she was the mother of. That's a responsibility. And you may be sitting here to say, but yeah, I don't have any of those. How do you know? How do you know? I mean, you know, my son Matthew could end up the president. It would be by accident, but he could end up there. <laughs> I don't think God would put him there, but he might. You know, you have to believe that you are training children for a destiny. Husband and wife, mom and dad. We have got this thing so screwed up, but God can fix it. He will put men in children's lives that don't have a father. We have to start believing that God is going to give us more and more in our affliction. No matter what the devil comes up with, more grace is available to me than anything he's got in his bag of lies. Amen. Let's stand. This is the last. Brethren, I do not count myself. You can leave that up there. To have apprehended but one thing. Everybody say one thing. I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I need to tell you what Joyce Meyer said. I believe it. And it just was like God said it to me. God won't let you run away from your troubles. How many of you here have got your horse out back ready to go? Or whatever you're riding on. My sister rides horses. I don't know. I don't ride horses. Or your Cadillac or your chauffeur or whatever you got going to get you out. He, if you run away from your troubles and keep going forward in his purpose for your life. God won't let you run away from your troubles and keep going forward in his purpose for your life. In other words, face it. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Father, I thank you for every person in this room today. I thank you that we are not going backward. We are going forward. And we are going forward with power, with the anointing, expecting more and more and more, more grace, more opportunities to live the life you gave, you've given us to live, more power to determine in every situation what is God's plan and begin to decree it and speak it and proclaim it from the mountaintops. Devil, you are defeated. You will not, you will not steal, kill, and destroy from me anymore. In Jesus' name. Now, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus and your life isn't where you want it to be and you really don't even know how to get it there, there is an answer, and that is Jesus. Because he can take you places you will never go until you give him permission to be the Lord of your life. And I ask you today, I, I think I know most people here today, but we never want to close a service without asking, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Is he the one that you're counting on for your life and for the lives of those that you have responsibility for? We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. 
I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.